Welcome to Writer Syndrome, a podcast about writing from start to finish. This episode's topic, Pantsers vs. Planners. I'm Russ Capasso, and joining me as always is Tim Letney. Tim, how the hell are you, and are you wearing pants right now? I am <laughs> pantsing right now. Yeah, you I, are. I have not prepared. Very on theme for this week. So yeah, how about you? Are you plotting? Oh, I've plotted. I've planned. I'm, I'm wearing my planner pants. Yeah, I am flying by the seat of my pants. Um, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> So I think it, it, this is a fun topic because as we've been working through our own projects, we've been talking for a very long time and we are on probably the, safe to say, the opposite ends of the spectrum in terms of, of this, right? You are very much a pantser. I am very much a planner. Have you always just been a pantser with everything you've written? You know, I, I don't want to say that I take offense. I'm not. <laughs> I feel like I do some plotting, mm -hmm. but I don't plot to the degree in which you do. So... Mm like the spreadsheets. And so I had an outline, a very mm -hmm. rough outline, right in the beginning. But I will say that when I start, I definitely fall on the pantsing side of things where there's this kind of lighting the forest as you walk, as opposed mm -hmm. to seeing the whole thing. Yep. So, so yeah, I, I do. I definitely start that way for better and worse. So how about you? So I've, I did, I, I've obviously I've, I've pantsed a few short stories here and there, and I think there's a little bit more manageable to do that with. Uh, but when I first started getting into this, this project of writing and, you know, 70, 80,000 plus word, you know, novel story, uh, I was like, okay, I think day one, I was like, how to write a novel and trying to find ways to, to kind of, is there a way I can, I can break this down to smaller increments because that's just how my brain works, right? It's like probably also from past work of being a project manager, product managers, where I just want to break something down to the smallest thing and kind of incrementally work on it. So yeah, heavy, heavy planner. And the thing that I found that helped me the most was, and I know you and I've talked about this was the, uh, like the snowflake method, which has been around for a while. A lot of different people have written about that. Mm -hmm. And I love that because it was, it was like this incremental progress where I could see you it was have like a, a brief overview of what that is for those who aren't aware. Yeah, I mean, it's just like the it's like the snowflake rolling into a giant snowball type of situation, right? Where you start with basically a log line, like, you know, whatever, what if, blah, 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 or even a what if or something like that, right? You have a protagonist, uh, stakes, uh, inciting incident, little line, right? Just to kind of set your point, your waypoint and what, what the what the story is about. Mm -hmm. uh, and then you kind of you get, let that sit for like a week or so. And then you and you write like a one paragraph kind of summary of the entire story, right? And then you kind of give that a little bit a little bit of breathing room. And then from there, you expand that out to like three paragraphs. And then you expand each paragraph into a page and kind of getting really into specific beats within there. And then you start doing character profiles of your of your major characters. And you kind of just slowly build and build and build. And as you're as you're progressing, you're going to start seeing changes, you know, as you start your ideas start coming, you kind of start tweaking things you did prior. And it's just kind of like this incremental progress. And then you get to a stage where like, okay, you've got this five, six page treatment, got a rough idea of your character bios, backstory a little bit, right? And then you start kind of breaking that treatment down into individual scenes, getting somewhere from like 70 to 100 will get you, you know, where you need to be. And it's just like, you know, everything. And as you're progressing, like I said, you kind of go back and fix or change things that you, you know, weren't aligning earlier or and the things Whatever. that you're writing during this time period, are you using them in the piece or is this just like framing background information? Uh, for the characters or for... Yeah, for the characters and... Yeah, framing background, like some stuff I, I used throughout the story. But yeah, I mean, a lot of it will be, again, another rough description of who they are. Then like a paragraph or a page of, I think it's like do a page of of that character's story from their, like the story from their perspective, they're from their POV, right? Uh, secondary characters just do like a paragraph or something like that. 
And that kind of just kind of lights your way a little bit, uh, at least for me. So I like, so you sent that information along, right? Yeah. And um, I started. <laughs> I know you did. <laughs> I started. And um, I, I think I'd already had some words on the page, you know, it was probably like 10 pages in or something. And it wasn't that it wasn't helpful for me. It's that I got so impatient with that process. Yeah. But I was like, where am I? I'm in a separate document somewhere that I was, I was just biting at the bit to actually start writing. Yeah. I probably got about halfway through that. Yeah. Didn't use really any of that other than just for background information. And I'll say it was super helpful for starting to form characters for me and even like some inciting incidents. Mm -hmm. And I think for my act one, my act one was very pantsed. Yeah. So much so that I'm like, it was a lot of problem solving, honestly, once I got to act two and act three. Yeah. And that's where I'd say that I should have had a little more of a concrete outline because I had to do a lot of retrofitting yes. in the edit that I'm actually still dealing with. Yeah. But I won't say that. I think I need a little bit of both. I yep. need an outline, but I like the idea of having my characters who I come to know slowly, I think. And I don't know if that's right, but that's just my process. Like I start with an idea and they definitely are, are changing throughout their journey in ways that I'm not expecting, right? And I feel yep. like having a broad frame allows them to have more of an organic character growth because I'm surprised. And I feel like yep. if I'm surprised, well, there's a chance that the reader would be surprised. And some characters went up through these metamorphoses that I was not anticipating. And I think if I was very rigid with an outline, I don't know if that kind of organic change would have happened. So... I can't, even, I can't even give advice because I'm not sure how successful it is, but <laughs> at least it feels very organic to me where if you're providing a very broad structure and you're giving mm -hmm. them limited choices within it, um, allow them to make their lefts and their rights. And, yeah. you know, some turned into kind of antagonists in a way that I wasn't necessarily anticipating, which ended up really affecting the greater structure of the book. So, yeah. but I mean, you can hear it right now in my voice, right? Like there's even, there's some pants I'm like pantsing, like, even though there's a structure, I'm allowing this kind of nihilistic freedom with these characters to, to make these choices that could really like fuck up the structure. <laughs> yeah. And I, I mean, I would never, I wouldn't say I would ever, I'm not advocating that, uh, the planning should get in the way of creativity and letting the story kind of go its routes. If so, you get to a point, like I, I came, I came to that many multiple times where I came to a point where I was mm -hmm. like, I don't, this isn't this isn't right for where the character is going to go. Like they're going to go through kind of this route now, you know, at this point. So I, I don't think I'd ever, it's never, it's not like it's written in stone. At least that has been my approach. I know. I think there's, I'm sure there's people out there who have it down to a T and then this is it. And they crank out a story and they're done. Um, I didn't want that because I also didn't know if this was the right thing for me, but it fit my personality in a way I like to approach things anyways. So that uh, worked, but I never, I, I tried to not let it get in the way of like where the story needed to go or where the characters needed to go. Um, which I'm feeling now because now I'm making a lot of adjustments in like the second and third act because usually the second act is like the beast and you're not sure what's going to happen. Right. Mm -hmm. So uh, that's the one caveat I would say I needed to be better even with the end. Like I, I'm still shuffling a little bit on my ending, which is terrible because then it, it that completely dictates how, where people are going to get to. Um, I think at least understanding that, uh, kind of helps, kind of helps get there. So, so when you started your story, how much of the overall story did you see? Uh, you said you did a little bit of outlining, but did you, did you have, you had an opening, you had an ending, did you have like specific scenes or like. So I talked about this in a previous podcast a little bit. It's um, 
when I when I started in earnest when I was still in Somerville, like I said, it was like binge writing. I didn't have much of anything other than a feeling, um, and it wasn't until I moved down to New Jersey and started focusing on it in yeah. earnest that I was able to put some structure around it. No, when I first started, it was you know it's got to get the demon out of me. You know, going to sit down, going to write, get it out, have that feeling again. Yeah. But once I approached, I mean, I talked to you about it. I joked a whole bunch. All my characters end up. <laughs> under a bridge you know and then <laughs> trapped um, forever <laughs> they're trapped perpetually under that bridge and they were trapped there for so long as these different groups meet because i didn't know where the hell to go you know yeah. like yeah and that was for a lack of planning yeah and i really had to do it like honestly I'm, i just finished my i finished my third edit and uh every time i go through the edit I get stuck on that bridge again you know it's just like constantly refining and making sure that there's some logic at play based on where these characters are going. I'm just doing like a quick cleanup before I send it to you. And I just went through the bridge part again. And it's the first time that I didn't get stuck there. <laughs> but that getting stuck under that bridge is very much a result of not planning. I yeah. Think. Yeah. The number of times I think you've texted me as you've been writing this and you just text me like, I'm stuck at the fucking bridge again. I'm stuck <laughs> at the fucking bridge again. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, and honestly, good. that part still needs work. Um, <laughs> you know, it's right before fun and games start happening in the book. And it's it's just not it's a slog. It was a yeah. slog to write. So I'm sure it's a slog to read. So, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm my I think my, on it. my goal with like with the with the planning uh, as much as I do. And again, I kind of was learning as I was on the fly. <laughs> I was pantsing my planning, I guess. <laughs> um, <laughs> And figuring it all out. And I think now I've got a pretty good system for myself. Like, there's no right way, right? Uh, the, the only right way is what works for you. So I I think I found like a met, like I've taken apart the snowflake one because I'm like, all right, this is a little too much. I can I can skip a couple steps here. And you know, I like starting with just the log line and kind of sitting there and letting that simmer. I like having a treatment and then I like having a rough character story, you know, POV. Uh, before getting into it. Um, I think the scene breakdown, which has been mm. like my guiding light for this entire thing and keeping track of where things is, was super helpful in like edits. I think at first pass, it was definitely helpful because I kind of knew, okay, here's it. Here's what I need to tackle today and I just get right to it. So you um, had those in a separate document, like individual scenes? Yeah, I just had I had two I just had two docs. I had one Google Doc that had basically treatment, logline, character profiles, quick you know quick descriptions. And as that thing got kind of grew a little uh, cumbersome, I kind of broke them out. Um, but I just had it all in one spot. So that way, I could always any ideas, any resources, any links, but I'll just dump it all in this one spot. It's all in one place, and I kind of organized that a little bit later. And then the scene breakdown was just a like a Google spreadsheet, and I just had quick scene, like a scene description was like a line or two of what it was um, to start. And I've actually tracked it, like all the different versions of this I've done. And like, now I'm up to like, I've got like a goal and conflict and point of view and everything for each scene kind of outlined. Uh, and then I'm, then I have like, you know, in there I can put notes about like, oh, I need to fix this here. I need to fix this here. So just like when I go back to edit, it's like, okay, I know exactly where I need to go to fix things. I don't need to keep rereading this and this thing over and over again, just, mm -hmm. you know, fix these points, then do a full read through. Can I say something really honest right now, Russ? Yes. Part of me is really envious of that process <laughs> and the spreadsheet. And another part of me is completely offended. Yeah. That, <laughs> that, that, I mean, I guess it makes sense, right? That there isn't some, you know, planning in a spreadsheet can be a really economical way to make sure that you're hitting your beats and you're going through your scenes. Yeah. 
but I guess like the idealist in me, yeah. like this naive little <laughs> artist in me is like offended. <laughs> <laughs> that I'm like sucking the art out of storytelling. <laughs> no, well, I mean, I guess that's the thing is that it's, I don't want to say uh, like it's being manufactured, like a, uh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, like yeah. A, uh, what's like the like a supply line, an industrial line. But that very much is like if you look at stories and all stories and all the beats, which we should have a podcast about those beats, yeah. they all have them, you know. Yeah. So it's not some magical emotion that somebody has. It's really making sure that your story hits these satisfying beats that have been around for, you know, generations. Yeah. So yeah. I shouldn't be offended that you are making sure you're ticking these boxes and that you're going through a spreadsheet <laughs> because honestly, keeping it all in your head or what I do, like writing it down sloppily on a piece of paper <laughs> isn't the most effective or efficient way to go through this. Yeah. Just hoping you're hitting these beats, you know, or, and I had this thing where late on further into the third act, a lot of my beats are like a little too condensed. Honestly, yeah. Yeah. that could very well be for like a lack of planning that might not have happened had I had more foresight, which I think, your spreadsheet planning. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm I know you, planning that affords you. I know I've, I've shared that thing with you before. I've just seen your face and you're like, Jesus Christ, <laughs> you're ruining all of this. <laughs> it's like two things too. It's also a bit overwhelming, right? Not for like, me though. Not, not like, for you. Not for me. For me, honestly, it is it is you, yes, you can definitely get down the path of like, you're spending more time planning and doing this sort of stuff than you're actually writing, which is not, which is not what you should end up doing. Right. Um, and I've been trying to actively avoid that. It's like, I don't want to go down a rabbit hole trying to find a perfect program to do this thing. It's like, you know, this works for me. It's, it's definitely a level of depth. That's a little bit deeper than maybe most. I, actually, I, I've seen, I, I've watched other, you know, writers who just crank out stuff and I've seen them kind of give YouTube videos about how they approach things. And I mean, there's people who have spreadsheets just tracking like their word count every day and like their edit count every day and being like, okay, I got to hit this to get to this point. You know, I mean, and those are people who are writing professionally and that's what they do. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, and that works for them. Obviously, and then there's other people who don't need that and are wording, writing professionally and, and, and doing just fine. So um, again, I think it just comes down to to maybe the personality and, and what works for you. I mean, it seems like the planning, at least at a minimum, will keep you from going off on too much of a tangent. It feels like it could be a much more efficient way of writing. Yeah. Because you, not to say that you're not surprised, because I'm sure inside of that structure, you're surprised, but yep. you know, you know, your whip isn't going to balloon out of nowhere because yeah. you can see yeah. where you're going and you can check it off. Yeah. I've have a little bit more, there is a box I've, I've, you know, I've placed things within, but like I said before, I, I, I don't want that box to not expand if it needs to. And mm -hmm. I, I won't let that get in the way. And and I definitely can't, I came across and I'm probably like the, the second or th second, third draft I did where I was like, okay, this is, this is all going to change. And it did. And it's changed quite a bit. And I think that's, and that's totally fine. And I'm fine with it. Cause it's like, okay, cool. Now I know I can see exactly where this change is happening and I know how it's going to affect everything going down. And then I can, I can adjust that before I get into writing again. And now it's like, I've got a nice path where I can just now I can kind of motor and, you know, I get motivated to get to the next the next scene so for me that works out really well um, i wonder if some of it comes to genre at all i mean i feel like if i was writing something like your writing which is much more of a is espionage right or is that not right is yeah it, it's a thriller i would say thriller. like a thriller yeah i mean i probably couldn't pants that to the degree yeah unless there was unless i think it would maybe complicate editing a lot where i'd have to be sprinkling things throughout to make sure it's all tied together yeah. And I mean, I'll say with like the horror book I'm writing, it's not very plot heavy. 
You know, yeah. it's really just characters not making wonderful decisions from scene to scene. Right. Granted, I, I do think there needs to be some planning. It's not as intricate as a thriller, yeah. I think, needs to be because there needs to be some kind of logic at play, whereas yeah. through horror or sci-fi, there's maybe a, li a little more surprise. And it's not so grounded yeah. in the real and in like institutions, right? I mean, you're using bureaucratic institutions and hacking and, yeah. you know, even transit. You know, there's like a lot of concrete scheduled bureaucracy that you're writing around. Yep. Whereas I have like heroin addicts stumbling under a bridge <laughs> and getting stuck there for <laughs> getting stuck there for 10,000 stuck there for too many scenes <laughs> for an entire act too. <laughs> it's helped in the the genre I'm writing uh because there is like a lot of threads to keep track at least in my mind there is in my simple brain. And it's helpful then because I can see where, okay, I know exactly where maybe there was a reveal or a twist or something's happened. And if it's not working, I can see it before I have to go digging through where I actually wrote it. You know, and it's like, okay, I can see in chapter 32 scene, whatever, blah, 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 someone reveals himself. And I was like, okay, did I do that correctly? Did I get to that point correctly for that character? Does it make sense? Uh, mm. And if it doesn't, and it's helped with like beta reader feedback too, where they give me feedback and they're like chapter, whatever. I'm like, okay, cool. I know exactly where that is. I can go right to it. Uh, and I can see like, did I not give enough? Did I not bleed enough to the reader to maybe potentially figure this out? Uh, did I give them too much? So in that sense, it's 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 helped me. But yeah, definitely keeping track of all the bureaucratic choices. So you, when you finished your first draft, and so we mm. both read we both read uh, the Save the Cat, you know, B. Chieford novels, right? And I, you know, yep. read the one for for screenwriting too. Basically the same same thing. And you did a retrofit beachy for your for your hey, spoiler alert doing that process though because then what I'm getting to is also we you and I we because we're gonna hopefully work on a, a story together and we did we did like kind of a little bit of planning you indulged in my 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 OCD for planning and we did we just did through the the beat sheet right yeah and did you find that useful in your process in our process when we did it and do you see yourself maybe using that for future stories before you get writing yes okay. so. Let me just back up to like when I was pantsing and I went through my first draft. So I had started reading Save the Cat and then I started getting very, you know, I think through writing, you have moments of self-doubt. Seeing all of these beats and realizing, you know, through the first act, I'd actually hit upon a lot of them, not all of them, mm -hmm. but a lot of them. And I think there's this kind of natural flow yeah. of storytelling that we have as humans that we naturally hit a lot of these beats anyway. But when I was reading the book, I started to get very overwhelmed because it was kind of taking away that organic process yeah. and you gave the great advice you're like just shove it in a you know put it on the bookshelf for now come back to it later because you don't want anything to hinder you which was right i think that was right at the time period but yeah definitely in retrospect i think every time that i start a piece again start a, a work in progress again i'll use those beats yeah because it was i'll say i hit organically i probably hit 70 percent there's a lot of transitional act two to act three things yep. that I didn't, yeah. um, that I just wasn't familiar with. You, I mean, once you know them, you see them everywhere. It kind of yep. decodes every bit of art, um, at least narrative forms of art. Yeah. But there's like a little, like there's a little tiny bit, like tiny beats. And like I said before, transitional act two to three that I've since inserted that were not present. Yeah. Like I had like an all is lost. I kind of upped it a little bit. But I didn't really have a dark night. You know, I didn't have the break into act three. There was just a lot of things that um, I think viewers and readers come to expect that I, I was missing a lot. So, yeah, I went back and I and honestly, there's other ones too, like statement of theme. 
Mm-hmm. When I went through my first draft, I didn't have any statement of theme. Honestly, it probably wasn't until my third draft that I could finally like identify a character to give that little bit early on. And it came out relatively organically. But yeah, that was a missed one. So yeah, yeah. it was um, it was like filling in the blank or maybe color by number, like these things that I'd missed. So yeah, I'll say in retrospect, it would have been a lot more efficient and it would have saved me more time had I done that at first. But there's also a chance the story would look a lot different too, you know, had I not done what I did. So, but it would have saved time. I know it would have saved time. Yeah. I I think I was hoping that doing this and I've learned so much going through this process of the snowflake method. And 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 I definitely spent a lot of time just learning about storytelling over like the last year and a half to like reading every book I possibly can. And reading the Save the Cow one, reading, you know, obviously Hero's Journey stuff and everything, everyone's version of of these these beats to follow and kind of planning uh, before you get to writing. And I was hoping going through this process that it would have eliminated a lot of like the plot hole issues. But even at the end, I still have, I still have issues, you know, I still have problems. And then maybe that's because I was kind of learning on the fly as I was doing it. But I think for future uh, projects, I can see I can see a nice kind of clear path for like, this will help me eliminate a lot of those issues I may see at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, because like the plot, that's, you know, that's something I, I should have fairly well tight. It's like characters and their decisions, sure, that that can kind of change a bit. But I think, again, coming back to like the stuff, you know, writing a thriller, I kind of need to need to hit those those moments a little bit, a little bit cleaner than I think I did the first time. So Save the Cat helped me identify I've always hated act threes yeah. in everything, especially in like Hollywood film. I just hate it. Like all mystery. I think a lot, like a large contingent of audiences enjoys that kind of catharsis where everything's kind of faded. Yep. I, I loathe it. And Save the Cat allowed me to understand why I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> it was really difficult to write within those beats, which I think are, you know, satisfying beats for large contingents of American audiences. I mean, I don't know, international audiences. But it's just when all the mystery is gone and sucked out, it's almost like Act 3 so often feels like it's already the credits to me. Like yeah. I'm no longer hopeful or excited about the story. Yeah seeing those beats broken down and seeing why I feel that way um, (laughs) was interesting. And then trying to write around that and hopefully making a satisfying conclusion where there's still some mystery. And there's some movies like that. The third act is just off, off the wall. Yeah. And I love it like splice or something or the guest where, you know, it's still falls within those regular, you know, I don't know how many beats are in the third act, but I don't know what probably five or six. Yep. It still hits those beats, but it does something surprising. And I, I hope to do that. Whereas the beats in act one and act two, it's like, it's the world building. It's the fun. Yeah. I mean, yep. I guess it's probably why they call most of the beats in act two, like fun and games. Right? Yeah, it's really yeah, yeah. where like the characters come into their own and they're not defeated. And, you know, the solution isn't so visible and broadcast. So yeah. I love act one and act two. And I've always just kind of had this inherent disdain for act threes. Yeah. I have a disdain for mine right now. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's still, and even all this, all this planning, all these spreadsheets and all this stuff, you know, and I'm, I'm still like, I, I think because the drafts I've gone through, like I have let things breathe a bit and things change kind of organically. I'm like, Oh, this actually feels a little bit more, mm. this feels a little more intriguing to the story to, to get to the end here. Adds a little more tension. 
but it's kind of I'm having this problem where these these I'm having a ripple effect where everything's now gathered up at the like all my ripples are one a wave now at the bottom <laughs> at Act mm. Three. And it just feels, I, and I joked with you, it feels like a, like a Scooby-Doo ending, you know, where it's like, <laughs> I just like pound to like the last three scenes and there's the killer, you know? Yep. Um, but that's just like a ripple effect of things I've changed in the previous acts to kind of like, kind of fill in and have a little more, um, you know, thriller, adventure, kind of action a bit to it. But now I'm like at this problem of like, everything's just stacked at the bottom. Uh, yeah. And now, I'm, now I just feel like I'm ticking off boxes and that's like my biggest thing I need to fix over the next week is... So do you feel like your ending is broadcast? Like if I, if somebody read your book mm -hmm. and went through all, you know, act one, act two, could they predict what's going to happen in the third act or is it not. still surprising? <laughs> uh, I mean, I hope not. I think, I think it's still surprising, but I also don't think it's a nut. Like a lot of beta reader feedback I got was that it was a little too left field. Mm. So that means, okay, I didn't, I didn't trickle enough information or I missed someone's point of view to kind of give reasoning for why this is happening. Uh, and there was a couple of things that people called out. So what a delicate balance, right? Like you want to sprinkle enough information that it makes logical sense, but you don't want to completely broadcast it and make right. it feel like, well, why am I even reading this? Cause I know what's going to happen. Yes. Which is yeah. often the feeling I have when we get to, you know, act three and stuff yeah and i'm at a point too where my ending i'm not gonna spoil it but like the cause of of all of this the situation i've kind of changed a bit um yeah. it's, i've as i was writing this i was like oh i can i have ideas for other you know other stories within this universe and but i need this thing to change because i don't want to go down this path because this mm -hmm. this answer i'm not into uh so i changed that uh, I don't necessarily need to call it all out and, and wrap that up in this book. I mean, it's going to have a, it's going to have a conclusion. Trust me. Yeah. <laughs> Cause there's nothing more that drives me nuts in a book that doesn't have a goddamn conclusion <laughs> in some <laughs> shape or form. You can leave an open thread, but have, have the story end. Um, yeah. but yeah, I, I think, but again, coming and then coming back to the planning, I can see those points where I can trickle more information. It's like, Oh, okay. I know scenes and characters point of views where I can go back to and, and provide a little more information to kind of let that end breathe a bit. And, yeah. you know, have that opportunity for the reader to kind of, is this the, is this the situation? Is this the bad guy really? Or, you know, kind of have that kind of tug. So, yeah. So my ending was always my ending from the very beginning, yeah. which is interesting. We talk about pantsing and planning, but I did have these, really big spotlight moments in my head. Mm -hmm. So when I had my first outline, which I did, right? But you would yeah. laugh at it and crumple it and burn it. Ha <laughs> measly outline. Over the ocean. <laughs> Look at this measly outline. What is what that is pencil? It just says beginning, middle, end. <laughs> it's not an outline. <laughs> Keep that in your head. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I had this like really generic middle school paper outline, but with the handwriting of an elementary school boy. <laughs> but my intro, my inciting incident, and like my finale were always, they've been pretty static Yeah. Um, throughout. Getting there has been a challenge. <laughs> Without, <laughs> damn bridge, that damn bridge. That bridge, the bridge difficult. But yeah, but I still think surprising, you know, I hope. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I've definitely gone through like on, that's the other bit, right? On top of all the planning, these drafts and being able to, you know, use an app like Scrivener and then even like having an outline inside of, you know, Google Docs, but being able to go and see your your work as a whole and knowing where you need to sprinkle things in. Like I've added so much connective tissue mm -hmm. through these scenes that wasn't present during the first draft. Yeah. I'm not quite sure if that's a result of not planning enough or if that's just the organic process of writing where you need to 
just add these sinews mm-hmm. to make sure these these threads that, that are connecting, whether it's little totems, you know, that come back in the second and third act, or things that are said that are recalled to, or actions. Yeah. Um, because I'll I'll tell you, like when I'm when I'm reading a lot of that nuance, it seems magical. It's like, oh my god, how could you have possibly planned these little intricacies? Yeah. It, so it makes me feel like. A lot of that story, a lot of those little bits are found in the in the edit. Yeah. And I don't know if they can be found in an outline per se. I think yeah. that's maybe the organic piece where things are tied together. Yeah. Unless obviously there's people that are smarter than me that have more foresight than me. You're one of them. Uh, um, that could, um, I don't know about that. <laughs> it's but, you know, but if, you, if you're planning, you know, in a spreadsheet, you could very much have that in the forefront. You know, you're not finding that story or finding yeah. those pieces in the edit, you could very much see those in advance because you're able to see your whole story in one place before the damn thing's done. Yeah, I, I couldn't see it, really. I couldn't see it until it was done and that Scrivener popped out with that outline. And I was like, oh, there's my story. I'm going to like jump around. You had that ability to jump around before you finished, right? I did. I don't know if it helped because I didn't know what I was doing. So even then I had this 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 thing and now I do. Now I've got, at least for me, I know, yes, that's where I'd like to be, where I could I could see those things, like you said, fully outlined and I can jump to, to where I need to and, and have that before I get into actually writing. Because once I get into the writing, I just want to write. I want to, I want to write that. I want to, I want to get through the conflict I'm, I'm, that's in my head that's there that I think needs to be done for this. And what are the goals here? So um, yeah, there is moments where I have characters return to certain scenes and, you know, I have one of my mains, she has like a stuffed animal, yeah. but it wasn't until the edit, the first edit that I realized that that could be like an important totem, you know, yeah. for her. Yeah. But I didn't see that until I started editing. But yeah. now when you're editing, you're dealing with 90 to hundred K really hard to wrap your brain around that. But if you're making it into these digestible packets inside of a spreadsheet I, I could see how yeah how how i think you're starting to i think you're starting you're to you? over my point to the a... dark side <laughs> well it's well it's interesting you said that because i i had the same i had the same thing where there i came across a couple of things that i don't think i was consciously doing but i kept referencing something you know throughout the story that tied two characters together like you said like a totem right in mine it's like a, it's a baseball right yeah. and it wasn't to the end after like what am I, fourth draft, or however many drafts you want to call it, revisions, whatever. Then I was like, oh, wait a second. This is a great little setup payoff thing I could use later on. It's something mm. that connects two characters who have like a mentor, protagonist kind of relationship. And I can use that thing, that item, to tie it to the overall uh, you know, solution or, or, or another, another thread to solving the, you know, the, the main problem or the plot. Right. And kind of move that along. And I was like, oh, but I didn't realize that until very much later on. Early, it was so you just- found that in the edit. You didn't find that in the spreadsheet. Yeah. Early on, it was just like a, it was a connection between two characters and then that was it. But now I'm like, oh, wait a second. Why don't I give that thing, that totem, that item, not only a setup and a connection between the two characters, uh, kind of following along the theme of my protagonist and like what he's going through, but then also using it as a thing that could pay off at the end as like a light bulb moment of like, Mm. oh, this is, you know, they're doing something with this object that triggers an idea that moves a plot along. And I was like... That moment, I was like, "Ooh, yeah, all right. I think I'm writing. I think I'm a. I think I'm a writer now." <laughs> so, Russ, c- come with me on this imaginary journey. Oh boy! In a world where you were a pantser, yeah, how would you have written this? Do you think it would have been possible to write your story as a pantser? 
for me and being a first time this is my first you know big book project uh mm -hmm. there's no way i would have I think I would have been overwhelmed with the possibilities of where I could have gone mm. with everything. And I just wouldn't not having any bit of structure would have just been a complete mess. Like first drafts are supposed to be complete messes. Mine was even with like this little bit of planning I did, but I think it would just would have been, it would have been chaos or it would have been 10,000 words and I've been done, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, I've just been like, and they win movie over or you know, book, <laughs> book over. Right. And they solve the problem. Blah, 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 blah. I don't think I could have, I, I, I personally don't think I could have done it. Um, okay. It would have been it would have been too overwhelming for me to just let it fly like every day sit down and be like okay where are they headed today <laughs> so um where'd you come across the the snowflake method and like whose you know germ of an idea was it is it attributed to a person or a website or is it just kind of common knowledge i think early on when i was like googling how to write a novel i came across this this site advancedfictionwriting.com or something and I, I don't know if this if this guy is like the creator of this the whatever I don't know it's kind of it's he's listed as being the creator of this this snowflake method uh, I have a feeling it's been around for a long time but he apparently writes a lot about fiction writing and structure and stuff like this so uh, basically my early Google searching for like story beats and just planning um, to write a novel um, I came across this and I read through it and I was like oh okay this breaks everything down into my brain in a way that I can organize and I can write. And that's kind of where I started. So, and then I just took this kind of followed to the T and then I tweaked it as like the second edit came around. I was like, okay, I don't need to do this. Uh, mm -hmm. This, this isn't right. And then reading like save the cat and other, you know, uh, story beat books. I just pulled things I liked out of those and kind of combined it into here, into this method. So, but yeah, I think that's where it all started. And this, that kind of set me on a path of, kind of having some structure and and then kind of figuring out as, as I went. Just think about stuff I'm like watching and reading, you know, right now, today, right? I just finished the final book in the Expanse series, Leviathan Falls. Oh, yeah. And you look at that series, right? And that's like, what, nine books plus all the novellas and everything? Yeah. I know originally it was supposed to be a board game. It started out as a board, an idea for wow, a board game. Really? Yeah. And then, because the, it's 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 two guys who write it, right? James yeah. S. Corey, whatever, he's the pen name for the two guys. One guy had planned this whole thing out as a board game, all this intricate, you know, plotting and and you know storytelling, and, but as a board game. And I guess his friend or partner, you know, writing partner or whatever, uh, was like, "You should just turn this into a series, a novel series." So it's kind of interesting. You look at something like that, and coming back to you were saying earlier about how genre may uh, impact the way you you pre-plan before you start writing. And you look at something like that's nine books long. It's got all these characters coming and going, kind of these crazy plots and subplots of thread through. And you got to think like, obviously they've, they've, they had some massive plan, right? Like there's gotta be some big doc somewhere, some big spreadsheet that I'd fall in love with kind of outlining all these things. So, yeah, there must've been, especially with, you know, having two, two authors and two creators. Yeah. Where they write, I think they do every other chapter. They split it pretty, pretty even, uh, or maybe they split it by characters. I think I've, I've read it. And I can't imagine all the beats and sub beats that go into something that epic. And no, pun, no pun intended. That expansive, no. <laughs> that expansive, the expansive. Uh, yeah. So I, yeah. it's gonna be interesting. Cause like now you and I, hopefully this year, uh, or at some point, maybe early next year, we're going to start writing something together. Right. And we've yeah. already, I think we've already discussed how we're going to approach this because I'm going to take one storyline and you're taking a, a separate storyline. They're going to converge at some point. I mean, you're already bringing me over. We've already worked out the beats. I know. I, I got In you. advance. And it, that was a fun process. I have to say that was probably one of the, the most fun things I've, I've done, uh, in, like creative processes. Cause it was just like, 
yeah, we're just, let's just kind of spitball ideas of what's going to happen here. Oh, your character is going to go this way. And then we have to kind of come up with a point of where they converge. But I think, it, I mean, our plan is to what? Try and get like 80, 90,000 words. We're going to split that pretty evenly. I may have a little bit more because like my tail end, but. Yeah, and I'll try not to overwrite like I do. <laughs> Or I'll just take those words and use them. <laughs> uh, I think it's gonna be. I think it's be interesting. But we're also gonna have two separate approaches. Where I, th I think early on we we're talking like the only thing we need to worry about is is what's the point of where they converge, um, mm -hmm. and that's it. And then you you can pants all you want on your side, and I'm gonna. Well, I mean, we've already done some planning. I'll tell you, it feels less intimidating coming into the story knowing the beats. Yes. Right. 100%. Not that it's as simple as like a color by number or a fill in the blank. It'll be easier for me to plan one scene to the next, yeah. knowing where all those beats are. So, yeah. I mean, I'm coming along. I would never currently, I would never say pantsing, just pantsing without any planning is the way to go. Yeah. If you value your own time. It, I mean, obviously, if you just want to write and enjoy it and be surprised in where you go. Yeah. But if you want to, if you have a timeline and you want to finish, I would not pants it and I would not edit <laughs> as you go because those are two ingredients for never finishing. Yes. Ever. Yeah. Now, if you plan and go through all those beats and then edit, I, I think you've got a really great chance of finishing your work. Yeah. Um, anything you, you do, anything you can do to put a border around it, I think, while yeah. maintaining creativity if that's a spreadsheet cringe or if that's an outline <laughs> You're, you love my spreadsheets i know you do no i do i think i'm a little jealous honestly i mean i really couldn't do the snowflake method i tried and i'll tell you the character bits those helped yeah. i think they changed that method allowed me to describe my characters describe some scenes as it kept going and going and going yeah. I guess as that snowflake kept rolling down the hill, it turned me off. I just wasn't ready yeah. for, I wasn't ready for that like amount of planning. Yeah. 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 So I just closed the document and then I jumped in for better and worse. We'll see. But I think the most important thing you touched on and the one thing I think we can both agree on as the planner and the pantser, right? Is it before going in, at least having, at least seeing your end mm. and seeing your beginning, seeing your opening scene and seeing where you're, where you want to end up. Because if you don't have an ending, like you're going to be, you're going to be, I mean, completely lost. Like I'm lost. I mean, I had an ending and then I changed it, but it's like having that. Honestly, like I, I'd go one further and say, even from the perspective of, of a pantser, yeah. go in knowing your beats. Don't be a hundred percent tied to them. And right. if your characters are changing or you want something organically to happen, don't feel limited by the structure, but I, I think it will pay dividends if you go in knowing each of your beats really yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, allowing organic character choices and movement to happen. But yeah. I, I wished I did in retrospect, because once I had it down, it was easier. Yeah. It was just easier because I did start to add them from my second draft on. Mm -hmm. I started plotting more consistently from act two to act three. Yes. But I was not using all the beats. Yes. At that time period. Yeah, Because you got through your first draft and then you read the book, finished reading the books. Remember you started yeah. halfway through the book and then you're like, this is I too much. I fucking panicked. Yeah. Yeah. And then I think around the, the second draft, you kind of, okay, let me, let me, let me plot this out a bit more. So, yeah. So, I mean, is there anything else you, any other thoughts or final comments? I'd recommend having your beats down and at the, at the not minimum. using a spreadsheet. <laughs> <laughs> don't don't not look at me like that <laughs> or you know have a spreadsheet and and feel the comfort when you go to bed that you know you're gonna go tomorrow morning so or you know just get off that bus and walk in a direction and see what you find oh no that's so dangerous that's so dangerous there might be train tracks right there don't do that <laughs> <laughs>
could be. It's good. Story to tell. That's good conflict. Uh, so that, that's our episode. Uh, thanks for listening, everyone. Uh, we hope you enjoyed this episode's topic about pantsers and planners. If you have a topic you want to hear about, you can send us an email at chat at syndrome.com. You can hit us up on Twitter at writer underscore syndrome. Otherwise, you can head over to writersyndrome.com for our all of our episodes, all two of them now. Three now. Uh, and other information. Uh, we'll probably start providing links over there for some of the things we're talking about. Join us next time. Uh, next episode, we'll be discussing story beats. We're going to kind of get into a little more specific beats that we've used and kind of talk through them and how they've helped us or maybe not helped us. Uh, so yeah, until next time, keep writing. Keep writing.